0: My guest on this week's episode of Susan Search is Elizabeth Rule, SEO analyst and account manager at Sterling Sky. Elizabeth is an up-and-coming conference presenter. She will be speaking at Local U coming up April 26th in Dallas, Texas. She is also great on podcasts and webinars, and she is a must-follow on Twitter at the terribly impressive Twitter handle @OwnYourSERP. Elizabeth has a background in SEO and PBC. I'm going to start our conversation talking about how having an interdisciplinary approach to digital marketing helps her get more value for her clients. We'll also have a wide ranging conversation about local SEO. How should businesses get reviews if they're in an industry that doesn't generate a lot of reviews naturally? How does Elizabeth approach content creation for local businesses? What are some telltale signs that a competitor is spamming Google? I'm gonna ask Elizabeth these questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Elizabeth Rule. We'll talk about local service ads, She'll explain why businesses should not stuff keywords in their business name on GBP. And we'll spend a little time ranking the best pizzas in New Haven, Connecticut. Elizabeth Rule, welcome to Susan Search. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me.
0: It's great to have you. Um, It's a pleasure to have you on. One of the things I wanted to talk about first is unless my research is incorrect, you are a newly accredited product expert on the Google Business Profile Product Forum. This is a big deal uh, for people in our industry. Tell our audience about the product expert community and what sorts of things you guys work on.
1: Yeah, so you're right. I am newly accredited. This is my, December will be my third month being a gold product expert. And it's just so much fun to be able to see kind of what goes on behind the scenes at Google, getting to work with the community managers um, that help the support teams at Google there's a tons tons of support teams at google that do so many different things so they kind of help liaison the issues that we see as local marketers with google business profile and the product experts also help business owners who are having issues with their profiles so as you can imagine there's tons of different issues um, that these business owners are having and they're not as technically savvy or like in the know about how to operate a Google business profile as we would be. So we volunteer our time to help them understand the guidelines, help um, get their issues escalated to the community managers and support teams if necessary, and just really advocate for the Google business profile product as a whole.
0: Awesome. Well, you're, you're right. I can only imagine what comes across your desk, but I, you know, what, what I thought we would start our conversation talking about is you have expertise in PPC and SEO. So, yeah, many people get really into one discipline and then they go deep in that discipline. They might be a, you know, a niche like a technical SEO or something like that. You're you're really interested in both uh, mm-hmm. and specialize in both. That sounds awfully hard. Why do you go through all that grief?
1: Well, you know. I'm just a masochist. I love working <laughs> with Google because it gives me problems every single day. Like there's not the same issue I run into um, often. It's always something different, especially with the small businesses and medium to large local businesses I work with. Like I started off working with a lot of small local businesses in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. one of the things I noticed working on SEO is, and this was a couple years ago before, ads like completely took over this the serp landscape i was noticing just less and less clicks to their websites and i'm like all right well there has to be something else we can do to get these businesses more clicks more leads and it it turned out it was paying google to be at the top of the serp which is really, I guess, kind of what Google wants. They they want you to have to pay to play most of the time. According to Cambridge Dictionary. Um, so. Oh, my phone just started talking to me. So I decided to dive into paid ads because it was it's such an ingrained part of the SERP landscape. You can't ignore it. You can't just do SEO most of the time for competitive industries, be because you're missing out on a ton of clicks that. Unfortunately, you do have to pay for that's one of the gripes I was encountering with small businesses. They don't have the budget, which is um, unfortunate. But then as I moved into working with Sterling Sky with bigger clients that span um, the United States and Canada, like tons of locations, they are willing to pay to play. So it allowed me to get more into the Um, Google Ads platform, find out more features that the small businesses I had been working with weren't um, able to access. And it's just, I like having both, understanding both disciplines because they're very different, but the search terms are always the same. Like a user is searching something, they're either going to click an ad or they're going to click organic. And I like knowing that I could be in either spot.
0: Yeah. You, me, you you're you made maybe remember something. So uh, I interviewed Heather Physiak a long time ago. She's a uh, big fan of like interdisciplinary approach.
1: Mm-hmm. She has these
0: teams that do uh, a bunch of different things. Basically what she noticed was that writing ad copy and writing title tags and meta descriptions are very similar exercises. There's yeah. not a huge difference between it. So I, I suppose the question is something like this. Do you, do you think there's more overlap between the two disciplines that many of us care to think of? Like, we're doing kind of the same things. A lot of the time, they just are called different. They just have different names for the tactic.
1: Yeah. I think there is a ton of overlap. Um, the one learning curve is learning the Google ads platform. Like I think one of the biggest learning curves for SEOs is learning how to edit WordPress sites, edit different CMS platforms. Um, If you're an SEO, you want to be able to get in there and just make the edits yourself and not have to go through a dev. So that's a learning curve that is replicated on the ad side, having to figure out how to use the Google ads platform and how to set up campaigns, um, how to set up your keyword structure when you're doing search ads, like how am I going to set up my campaigns to target the various keywords and services that I want to go after. Um, And then once you figure that out, it is a very similar game. You want to figure out the keyword, the money keywords that are going to get your client the leads they need to produce a good uh, ROAS. And it's it's harder, I think, with Google Ads because you're actively spending money every day. Whereas with SEO, they're not necessarily spending money every day. They're paying a monthly retainer for your services or whatever. But it's easier to show a ROAS when you're not actively paying per click.
0: Right. Well, just as, just as it's important, do you think you get better at doing one by doing the other? Like I could see some examples of like PBC allows you to AB test copy really easily. That's, mm-hmm. that's hard to replicate in SEO. Um, you can get real data Very about hard. keywords. You know, basically do you think you become a better SEO because you spend time at PBC?
1: I like to think so, but saying that I don't think that SEOs that don't do ads are any worse off um especially if they're in good communication with their ads team if their company does ads like one thing um most people know about sterling sky is that we love to test stuff like joy is all about testing seo testing and that's something we replicate with the ads as well and we try our best to keep our ads team members um in communication with the seo team of like okay this is working really well like this for, for example, image extensions, image extensions are becoming more and more popular for ads. Like they're showing a lot more often. Um, so we're testing like which images work best for the ads. Like what are the better click through rates we see on certain images that we can replicate for SEO because the SERP is getting so much more visual by the day that if you're not using images and um, infographics in your SEO strategy, you're kind of missing out. And that's something we've seen on the ad side for a while with image extensions. So that's like one example, Um, but I I do think it helps understanding both disciplines, Um, but it is hard to keep like a really laser focused expertise in both. Like I will say that I'm, I'm more of a like local SEO, Google business profile person these days having been promoted to gold product expert i'm like okay i need to kind of focus more on that than ads but i i really do try to keep up to date as much as i can
0: i love it I, if you'll humor me i got one more question about ads oh yeah or probably i may have more we'll see uh but no the the one thing that it just occurred to me is there's so many more ad formats now than there ever were So I can remember when like ad extensions came out and that was a big deal. Now it's like there's LSA, there's map ads, there's even niche ads like VLAs or vehicle vehicle listing ads Mm -hmm. for car dealers. You know, it's hard when you're working with these small businesses because like you said at the beginning, like they don't have a lot of money. They don't have a bottomless pit of money to just like try every single kind of ad format. So how do you prioritize in a world where you can like advertise seven different ways? How do you kind of make decisions about what to prioritize? with a client's budget. If that
1: Mm -hmm. makes sense, that that makes total sense. And that's one of the hardest things to do. I typically lean towards search ads, because those are keyword based, you know what the person is searching. um, And you can go after those bottom of funnel searches. And you can go after more middle funnel too. If you want to just generate more traffic to your site, get people into like a remarketing bucket. So it's a little more straightforward with search ads, Um, but like the new, one of the new campaigns, like the new campaign everyone's kind of buzzing about is Performance Max, which utilizes all of Google ads um, campaign types. And we have no control over where our ads are being shown and exactly. who really like we give google as much information as we can about the audiences we want to target uh using that ad copy to help google understand like what we're trying to do but i find that the performance ad the performance max ads do work well If you're able to tell Google the conversions that you want to go after, which can also be very hard to do if say your client isn't paying for call tracking, if their website isn't set up that well. So the contact forms aren't um, reporting in Google ads or Google analytics. Well, like there's a lot of ways that can go wrong. Um, But if you are able to report your conversions, I find that the performance max ads work well at a very low cost per click, yeah. but you have to monitor them because if you give Google control, they're going to, you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. Yeah. And we see that time and again with like, um, your daily budget, Google's like, oh, I can go over the daily budget, but you won't spend more than this in a month. And then you see, you spent like twice your daily budget in one day because Google, Google thought that's what was going to get you the most conversions. and. It's not always right, but that's a good way to get your ads onto multiple different networks like Gmail, YouTube, display and search without spending too much. Because if you have all those different campaigns, it's probably gonna cost more. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, you're throwing everything into that black box and you don't really know what's going on, which is pretty scary for both the business owner and the ads person.
0: No, I can't. That's a, that's a, that's a great answer. So, you know, shifting gears, I saw this, this webinar, it was sponsored by Duda that you did with Ben Fisher and another guy whose name is Dave me. But basically what you guys were doing was a local SEO audit on a real business. So yeah. you noticed something that I see a lot where review, everyone kind of who follows local SEO knows reviews are really important, the quality, the quantity, but there are some, some industries where it's just hard to get reviews. Like if you're a, I don't know, you're a dry cleaner, not that many people are going to review you. Restaurants get a lot of reviews, you know, for those hard, those industries where it's hard to get reviews, it's not simple. What suggestions do you have? What recommendations can you give them to generate more reviews for a hard to get reviews industry? That's
1: a great question. Um, one of the industries I see it's really hard to get reviews in is insurance. Yes. And yeah, so we have a couple insurance clients and what we recommend they do. It's labor intensive on the businesses end, but you gotta call those people. You gotta text them. You gotta email them and say, Hey, if you wouldn't mind, give us a review. You can't incentivize them. You can't say, get a review, get $20 off, but you can. Just generally encourage them through different points of contact to leave that review and tools like gather up are like invaluable for those businesses that do not have the time. And then the other thing you can do, if you're already using gather up, you're contacting people, you're still not seeing like the real review volume you want. You can incentivize your employees and your technicians that are actually contacting the customers so say a tech goes to a house um and they know that they're going to get like i don't know like a ten dollar twenty dollar bonus if they get a review from that client they're more likely to actually get that review for you on google so i always say uh, incentivize your employees and particularly for an insurance client we work with it, it was like night and day when they stopped doing that employee incentivization. Um, we're like, hey, what happened to your review volume? It kind of like went downhill the last few months. He goes, oh yeah, I stopped giving them, my employees, that um, chance to win like a $50 gift card, I think he was doing. And we're like, you need to do that again because you had like a great like trajectory of reviews month over month, they were all legitimate. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can continue to do that. Like, that's great. And so as the, SEO, you need to remind your businesses to do that too, because sometimes they're like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this. And it's really helping on your end and they stop. And then you're like, oh, what happened? So good communication overall.
0: I love that you can incentivize the customer, but you can incentivize the mm-hmm. staff and get them. I, I like that a lot. So yeah. in the same webinar, uh, this will bring up a topic. We are contractually obligated to ask every local SEO about spam. Um, and so I have to shift to that, that um, in the same webinar, you were looking at a business who's a competitor of the, the, the company you were auditing. So the competitor was like not a real, business. you, you, you did a few mouse clicks and all of a sudden we can see there's no way that a business is, is occupying the space where this, uh, this map is, um, you know, there's kind of a two part question here you're in here every day. You're a gold level product expert. It's easy for you to find out this stuff, but what are some telltale signs that a GBP, a GPP, I hate this Hebrew, <laughs> a business profile is fake. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't exist. It's a, it's a made up business location. And what should a business do if a competitor is faking that they had a location? It's not even a real business.
1: Yeah. So the first, Thing I always do when a business has its address showing and like I did on that webinar um, is check street view and see if there's signage at the location because if there's no signage and especially if it's a residential address or somewhere that like no business is actually going to be or a post office um, where there are PO boxes. That's your first sign that they are not a legitimate business, a legitimate business with the address showing that actually has customers coming to their business to do face-to-face services is going to have some signage. And if they don't, sometimes Google, especially residential addresses, Google will still allow them to have a profile because maybe they have some other type of information online. Like they are registered to their home um but the second thing i would do is take a look at their website and you can even call their phone number and see how they answer like if they do answer with the business name they're probably a real business if it's just some guy's voicemail that has no information on the business they don't say the business name it might be an illegitimate business Um, yeah The website too, if it's like a very, it's like one page website with just a contact form, no information, no about us page. They have some like weird logo that's like clearly made in Photoshop. Again, that might not be a real business. It might be a lead generation um, listing with a fake website. And then also I would look at um, the business name itself. Like it does have a lot of keywords in it. Is it very keyword stuffy or is it like a legitimate name that like if I do a search for that name, a bunch of other um, citations are going to show up like a Facebook, um, a Yelp, like they have a bunch of other citations. Like Google won't necessarily care how many citations they have, but it's a good way for you to understand like, okay, this business actually exists. It's been around for a while. And then finally, look at the reviews. Uh, If they have... A lot of reviews that seem to have come in within the last month because google will say like new one week and sometimes <laughs> they will say a month old and then you'll see like up to like years old if they have like a ton of reviews coming in within like a month that's just like not feasible for a business to be able to get that many reviews in such a short time take a look at the reviews and see oh, are these all legitimate are they all like posted from seemingly real users. What are they saying in the reviews? Is it plain English or is it, does it look like it may be translated by like a non-English speaker to see if those reviews are fake and if they are fake reviews and all the pieces line up, then you can submit a redressal form to Google with the business listing, all your information. You want to give Google as much information as possible. They're not going to do the sleuthing for you. Like you need to do it for them. And then if that doesn't work, you keep submitting it. Because I find a lot of times that it'll take two or three redressal submissions before action is taken by Google. Um, So don't give up just because the first form doesn't work. Unfortunately, the first form rarely works.
0: Yeah, persistence pays off. Well, you mentioned it, like the, it's this thing where you see a bunch of keywords in the business name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's, it's amazing how well that works, and it's annoying how well that still works. Uh, it
1: is very annoying. Yeah, I, I,
0: like annoying when you see a competitor outrank you by putting keywords in their business name. So, one obvious question would be, uh, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Like the the penalties for this are minor. It's a competitive world. Why shouldn't businesses put keywords in their business name? What, what's, what's stopping them?
1: Cause it's against the rules. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. But like in That's reality, not. there isn't anything stopping it except like Google may strip those keywords from your business name because it's not anywhere else online. Like Google constantly is changing, uh, listing information based on sources they have online. So we don't know what those sources are but if like you don't have the keyword anywhere else online it's probably going to get removed at some point um and to it you're probably not going to get suspended over um having keywords in your business name like google will just take them out or they won't do anything about it like we see constantly like all these listings but right. keywords nothing's getting done they're not getting suspended but Google support won't help you with issues unless your profile is in compliance with the guidelines. And if they see, Oh, you have a ton of keywords in your name that aren't part of your business name, they won't give you support. So that's one way that we tell clients, like, I know you want to do this, but either do it the right way or don't do it at all because support won't help you. You're kind of putting yourself at risk for possible suspension though. It's, Unlikely they're going to suspend you because of that.
0: Yeah. Well, very interesting. And the last thing uh, question about content. So, your, our, our mutual friend, Carrie Hill, had an interesting post yeah. on the local youth blog that was about changing the way agencies approach content in 2023. So, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not, <laughs> the typical situation at many agencies is some agreement that works sort of like this like, you're going to get four blog posts a month with 500 words a piece. And we'll do that forever and ever. Uh, Carrie's point was kind of to critique that and uh, content as a deliverable model. Uh, She she didn't think that's right. So, you know, I think she's right. If if you watch everything that Google is doing, this sort of content, you know, might not work very well in the future, even if it's working today. Uh, You know, the problem is a lot of small business websites, when you inherit them, they don't have a lot of content, right? They, they don't, they're very small sites. They don't have important pages. They don't have a lot of like informational content. So there's a challenge. We got to, we got to create the content that the model doesn't, doesn't work right now. I think we can all agree that we could do better than uh, 500 word articles that nobody is going to read. So, you know, when you consider content for small business websites what sorts of things are you considering how do you see this evolving in the in the coming year
1: mm-hmm. so if a business doesn't have a lot of content you have to create it like you said yeah. so there probably will be there will be content deliverables you're gonna give your client but to carrie's point and she had a great article about it i think all her points were 100 percent on the mark Um, you have to create content that's gonna be valuable to users and to your customers. So whether that be, maybe it is, probably isn't, but maybe it is for 500 word articles a month and you can give that to the client and they're great. You spend a lot of time optimizing them, getting questions in there from clients um, to make that content valuable. But more likely it's gonna be longer format content that you're maybe going to spend more time on than you typically would have in like um, the SEO models that we've been using for years. Like, okay, I've written four or 500 word articles. Well, that's great. But you could have written like two 1000 word articles and spent more time on them, like over two months, say, like, so you're technically delivering half the word count content you might have, but you're delivering double the value because this content is going to perform better. And then maybe after two or three months of doing that, you spend a month optimizing the content you've already written. So you have say three more pages of content on your site, but you're spending the month optimizing and making that content work as best as it can because hopefully you're starting with the most important types of content for your site. Like say you didn't have service pages for every one of your services you do. You're gonna wanna spend a lot more time on those pages, making sure they're like up to par with what customers are looking for, answering all of their questions um, on that page. Then you would wanna spend on a, a blog piece, especially right away. Like I wouldn't recommend a business with no content on their site, start writing blogs right away. Like it doesn't,
0: I, doesn't make sense. I think the other thing I, I, I can't take credit for this. I had a conversation with our director, of SEO, Dane Seville yesterday, and he, he used to be in the content world. He's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of moved over to SEO, but one of the things he said that was really interesting, he's, he's, he's against this word count kind of thing. Like basically he said, yeah, I was doing the same thing I'm doing here with Shooting on five hundred word articles or whatever, and he was like, "Well, sometimes five hundred words or four hundred words is the amount of content that mm-hmm. would answer that query, and that's the yeah. right thing. And sometimes it's five thousand words, but the point is to create the page is going to be the best page on the internet for that topic." Yeah, with word counts, you get artificial. You're gonna. He's like, you're just gonna get writers creating more adjectives. You know, re- repeating the same sentence three times in different ways, um, you're going to get things that are just like artificial and fluff because yeah. they want to get to the word count. I think the word count thing is a miss. Like you, you should, absolutely. you should just avoid that, that, and like whatever is the most comprehensive number of words is the right way to do it. Does it gel?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think too, it's important to just have a dialogue with your writers because a lot of writers i know they would like to have like a word count not like a hard number but like a range that they can hit because if you're just telling them okay write as much as you want about this topic and make it as informative as possible they're going to be like oh my god like what do i do how do i start so you don't want to just throw a bunch of stuff at your writer and say, like, have at it, like do whatever you want, make it like a a million words, like that's not helpful for them. And they're the ones producing the content. So you really have to kind of listen to them and maybe start off with, Hey, write me like 800 to a thousand words on this topic and do as much research as you can. This is the research I've already done as the SEO, because you never want to just give your writer a topic and say, write about it. You want to give them an outline of what you're looking for from the SEO's perspective and then encourage them to do some research on their own. And if they come back to you and say, hey, most of the content I saw online around this topic is 2000 words, like it's a very intense, like technical piece that Google is ranking. Uh, Listen to them and say, "Okay, let's rework this, rethink it, um, write some more content on it. Or maybe it's the opposite. They say, Oh, I don't see a lot of content on that out there, maybe 500 words. And at that point you can be like, all right, then we can do better. We're going to write more than a thousand words or a thousand words and, um, just get a better piece of content out there than that's already out there. So that dialogue is so important and yeah.
0: Can't kind of agree more. Yeah, I think you're spot on. So, all right. Well, well, this has been awesome, and I, I, I want to thank you. You are uh, one of many Sterling Sky Dream Team members who have come on the show. It's been really, you've been really generous with your time, and again, another awesome guest. So, one of the things I, I want to make sure I mention before we get off the air is local U Dallas. I just got an announcement yes. that it will be tickets are on sale now. Uh, it will be April 26th. We actually, we have an office in Plano, so I, I may be attending this one as well. Uh, tell our audience about the show, where, where can they go to get tickets? Who, who should they expect to see? Um, if they've never been to a Local U before, what, what happens there?
1: Yeah, so Local U, this will be my second in-person Local U and I'll actually be speaking at it. Um, so I'm so excited. It'll be my first in-person speaking event. Um, and you're just gonna be learning from some of the industry's top um, local experts. I know Greg Gifford is going to be speaking. Um, I wish I had the list in front of me right now to know who else Jamie is going
0: to, now, going to be there. He's a good buddy of mine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So there's going to be a ton. Aaron on um, Aaron Jones yeah. on the Sterling Sky team is going to be speaking. Awesome. And I'm sorry other speakers that I didn't uh, <laughs> memorize your names yet, but I will. Um, it's just going to be a ton of great local content. I'll be talking about GBP um new things that we've learned um recently at Sterling Sky so we just try to get the most up-to-date information about local to the people that come to the conference and one of my favorite parts about it is the networking like there is a networking event before the night before local you and you just get to nerd out about local SEO to a bunch of people that like actually understand why You want to nerd out because like i'll talk to my friends and family about it and they're like oh that's so great like that's so cool google's interesting and hard but like when you actually get to talk to people that like also work in the industry and work in different with different industries like i don't work with a lot of restaurants i don't work with a lot of auto dealerships but they have different features on gbp that i'm not aware of so like being able to just kind of geek out about that stuff and like listen to other people's Um, horror stories their successes that that's the most fun part for me so it's it's going to be a lot of fun I think in-person events coming back are one of the best things that um, it came out of 2022 and I'm really excited for it to happen in 2023
0: all right I love it well I can't let you go without asking for a recommendation if if I ever am visiting New Haven Connecticut let's rank them Best pizza top three, what are your top three rankings?
1: So we got Modern appease So that's how you say pizza in New Haven, Apis. Um It has an A at the end, but you don't say it. So we got Modern appease in New Haven. We got Zoo Parties Api's, that's in West Haven. So it's technically outside in New Haven, but I think that's top two, top one sometimes. Um, and then the one you visited, Mark, that you mentioned pre-recording sally's like it. Sally. it is a hole in the wall they have no seating so you got to wait outside sometimes in the cold but it it honestly is really worth it
0: it's, it's it's unbelievable i've only been to the only one i've been to is sally's frank pepe's is always mentioned too is probably like yeah. super good too if i if i'm not mistaken so
1: That's top five. You asked for top three. So I had to cut them
0: out. I appreciate you. you cutting it down for for us. But no, this has been awesome. Elizabeth, if uh, people want to get in touch with you or anybody at Sterling Sky, how should they do that? What's your favorite social media? Yeah. People connect with you.
1: So I forgot to mention, go to localu.org to get tickets to Local U. You asked where to get them. And now I'm mentioning that. Um, Get in touch with me on Twitter at OwnYourSERP. Um, and then everyone at Sterling Sky, um, we all have emails, but check out sterlingsky.com. Um, we write tons of blogs. Joy's getting into videos now. Um, like I said earlier, the SERP's more visual and visual, and Sterling Sky is uh, doing our best to get into part of that action. So check out our blogs, um, the video tutorials that will be coming out. Um, and. Yeah, you can always find us, too, on the GBP community forum. So if you have any issues with your Google business profile, post on there. um, And hopefully, a product expert can help you out.
0: All right. Well, you have been a pleasure. Congratulations on the product expert accreditation. And then, also, congratulations on that Twitter handle. That's outstanding. I'm going to give you a virtual cheers. And we'll sign off for now. We'll be back I next week one with another. Sip in
1: the whole time.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, very good. Well, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, Elizabeth, and uh, uh, we'll see you at you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Mark. You better come now. I'm um, now. I know you're close <laughs> enough.